Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 3, verses 15 through 22, called, Is the Law Contrary to the Promises of God? Galatians 3, we're going to begin in verse 15. Galatians 3, 15. Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations, Galatians 3, 15. Even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now the promises, Galatians 3, 16, were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed, that is Christ. What I'm saying is this. The law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise. But God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Now a mediator is not for one party only whereas God is only one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your living word. I realize that if someone's new to the Bible, this is a little bit technical, but it is important that we understand the difference between this promise made to Abraham in Genesis 15 and the law given to Moses. What is the purpose of the law? How does that merge with this idea of the promise? Do the two, are the two contrary, opposed to one another? Are they complementary? How are we to view these things? How do we see the law once we become a Christian? What role does the law have in our lives? These are questions that we have. And these are questions that are answered in this section. I pray that you give us clarity, application, understanding. And I pray that we'll be more equipped to articulate this uh, good news of the gospel, Lord, so that others can hear that there's hope that's not based on our performance, but based on your goodness. We love you, Lord. And we ask that you would bless our time together. Lead it where you want it to go. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Now, last time we were together, we ended with this incredible uh, couple of verses in Galatians 3, 13 and 14. It says, Christ, take a look with me, Galatians 3, 13, redeemed us, the church, from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. This happened, notice, in order that in Christ Jesus, and if you're a Christian, you're in Christ Jesus, The blessing of Abraham. So notice the curse of the law contrasted with the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles 
so that we might receive the promise. The promise is a good contrast with the law of the Spirit through faith. We have a promise that we've been rescued from the curse of the law. You have a contrast with curse and blessing, a contrast with promise and law. How do we make a distinction between these things? How do we understand uh, the law and the promise? And what role, if any, does the law still have for believers? For example, you may have heard somebody say, Christians are no longer under the law. That's true. We're not under the law to be saved, but the law hasn't gone away either. Remember, the law has aspects to it. And you may have heard this before, but you might want to write this down. The law had a civil aspect for Israel. 613 laws, commandments and subcommandments, had to do with a theocracy that was over Israel. So there was a civil aspect. There was a ceremonial aspect of the law where there was a sacrificial system in place so that if you sinned against God or you were in need of cleansing, you could come with a sacrifice. And then there's a moral component of the law. And the moral component of the law has not gone away. Thou shall not murder, God still thinks is a pretty good idea. And so do you and I, especially if someone's pointing a gun at us. Now we live in a world where people think that things are now subjective and relative. And laws, maybe they don't really matter. Maybe they're just a matter of a societal, you know, push of ideas. But laws, the laws that we talk about in the Ten Commandments, come from the heart of God. And they're important to God. And the Reformers believe that the law, that is the moral law, still has a role in sanctification. And it has a role in gospel proclamation. Because if someone hears the law and realizes how deep the law goes and how it's not just about my outward activity but about my heart, my motive, my thoughts, what I fail to do, then the law helps us to preach the gospel because it shows that we all have a need for a Savior. Now once we become Christians, we have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to keep the law, that is the moral aspects of the law, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can see that in Romans chapter 8. But the law, the moral dictates of the law, us keeping them cannot save us because we don't keep the law. We've all lied. We've all lusted. We've all coveted. We've all come short of the top ten. We've all failed to love God with everything we are and love our neighbor as ourselves. And if you try to get saved by keeping the law, you're under a curse. That was last week. You can never measure up. So you're going to put yourself under condemnation. But if you trust the promise that someone else paid the sin debt for you, namely Christ, then you get the blessing. Amen? And what we've been uh, getting at is you get his righteousness. You get forgiven. You get the righteousness of Christ credited to your account by faith. You're right in the eyes of God. Now, God may use the moral law to sanctify you, but you're justified that is made right before God simply by trusting in the finished work of Christ on the cross. This is the promise of the Spirit. And the moment that you receive the Lord into your life, you receive that promise of the Holy Spirit guaranteeing 
that you're a believer and that you're right before God. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says, seeing that his, God's divine power, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises, in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, you could say the Holy Spirit, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. We have promises from God. They're magnificent, they're precious, and I've stood, you know, many times with many of you in cemeteries, and we've looked to God for his magnificent and precious promises, amen? And we've said, you know what, Lord, we've staked everything that we are, not only now, but the future on these promises, and these promises are yes and amen. They're magnificent. They're beautiful. And they're not based upon how well I performed in a given week. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Right? They're not based upon, you know, my thought life being perfect during the week. They're not based upon whether or not I did the right thing in a given moment or failed to do the right thing. As much as I desire to. As much as I want my life to be conformed into the image of Jesus, I'm not banking my future on the performance of Michael Lance. I'm banking my future on a finished work by a perfect risen Savior. Amen? Who died, who became accursed for me. So a promise is something precious. In Greek, the idea of a promise is a self-committal. It's a promise to do something. It's a promise that you will keep your word. It is a pledge, especially a divine assurance of good. God will keep his promises. Now, we live in a world where, if you're like me, you know, I grew up in a situation where not everybody kept their promises. Amen? Many of us come from broken families, broken covenants, broken this, broken that. We watch politicians say, read my lips, there'll be no new taxes. This is a while back. <laughs> and then there's taxes. Or we have, you know, some of us have made self-proclamations at the beginning of every new year. Okay, that's it. I'm going to do this from now on. Going to the gym every day. No more chocolate cake. <laughs> Whatever it might be. But you know how quickly we can not follow through on our own words. On our own, you know, declarations that we make. I'm going to now do this and I'm going to do it better and I'm going to do it well. And then we run into our flesh and the world and the enemy. What a marvelous thing a promise is. When a person makes a promise, says one writer... She reaches out into an unpredictable future and makes one thing predictable. She will be there even when being there costs her more than she wants to pay. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. 
Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, must resort to live streaming their Wednesday night and Sunday morning services. If your church isn't able to live stream their service, we invite you to fellowship with us from the comfort of your home during this unfortunate time. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. On our own, you know, declarations that we make, I'm going to now do this, and I'm going to do it better, and I'm going to do it well. And then we run into our flesh, and the world, and the enemy. What a marvelous thing a promise is. When a person makes a promise, says one writer, she reaches out into an unpredictable future and makes one thing predictable. She will be there even when being there costs her more than she wants to pay. When a person makes a promise, he stretches himself out into circumstances that no one can control and controls at least that one thing. He will be there no matter what the circumstances turn out to be. With one simple word of promise, a person creates an island of certainty in a sea of uncertainty. When a person makes a promise, she stakes a claim on her personal freedom and power. When you make a promise, you take a hand in creating your own future, close quote. With all the uncertainty in the world, if you're a man or a woman of your word, you can create certainty. But of course you want to back that up. And in the gospel, we have a God who is always true to his word. And he says, if you believe in my son, I will bring you safely home into my heavenly kingdom. And that's such good news because we live in a world where there's so many isms and religions that teach that you get saved based upon performance and you can't know until that final day whether you've done enough good things. What kind of peace can that bring to your life? If you're really honest with yourself, do you think you're going to be able to earn it when the standard is perfection? Not going to make it. And this is why Jesus came. He came to give us a promise. And there's many people inside and outside the church confused by false teaching. They get told about the the gospel of grace and then they're told, but now you got to do this, this, and this or you're not saved. We live in a world of a lot of empty promises. But God gave promises to his people, even called the land that they would inherit the promised land. And God is, unlike us, always true to his promises. Writer and speaker Lewis Smead says, Yet somewhere people still make and keep promises. They choose not to quit when the going gets rough because they promised once to see it through. They stick to lost causes. They hold on to love grown cold. They stay with people who have become pains in the neck. They still dare to make promises and care enough to keep the promises they make. 
I want to say to you that if you have a, a ship that you will not desert, if you have people you will not forsake, if you have causes you will not abandon, then you are like God. In fact, God said he will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. That's a magnificent promise. Are there any, is there any small print in that promise? <laughs> any, anything that I need to know about? No, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. If you want to have confidence in a relationship, you can say I love you, and you should say I love you all the time, but you should also say to your spouse, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I've made a commitment to you, I've made a covenant to you, and I'm not going anywhere. Now, there's times that I'll need to take a walk for a couple of hours. <laughs> Can I get a witness? There's times that you may not like me and I may not like you. My bride's in the front row, so. Goes both ways. She said, she said an amen up there. <laughs> but here's the beauty of a covenant. We may not always see eye to eye. We may not always be synced up, but I'm not going anywhere. This is the gospel. And brethren, I speak in terms of human relations. Even though it's only a man's covenant, look, we all realize we see this in everyday life. Yet when it, a human covenant, if you will, is ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. NIV, brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set, a, set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. Now, when we're studying theology, it's always good if a pastor can give us a human example, amen? Because we hear stuff about justification and sanctification and promises and covenants, and, and we're like, okay, how does this work in everyday life? Well, in everyday life, in human relationships and you know, documents and contracts, we, we realize there's real estate contracts, there's uh, you know, different things that we sign documents. You, you buy a house and you sign about 2,000 pieces of paper. How many of you, by the time you get to the 17th one, you don't even know where you're signing anymore? Like, just get this over with! Oh, there, here's another stack that you have to sign, right? You buy a car. By the time you've negotiated a car, you usually want to kill somebody and break a couple of commandments anyway, <laughs> right? And then you sign all these documents. But some believe that this language is that of a last will and testament. And it may well be. And in a last will and testament, you would put down, I, I bequeath this to this person, I want to leave this to this person. And once that's been ratified and you could say notarized, then no one can come along later if you decided to leave certain things to certain individuals and change your wishes. They can't add to it or modify it. Now, you could do it before you die, but nobody else can come along and break that legal contract. They can't come in and change what your desire was to give away. This is the same thing when it comes to the gospel. From the lesser to the greater, if human beings can have covenants or contracts that are unbreakable, how much more God? And the word here for a covenant is a general term for a binding agreement. 
If something gets drawn up, last will and testament, etc., no one's going to come in and mess with it. And here's the application. And this is kind of the overall theme of Galatians. Don't you come in, says Paul, to the false teachers and tell people in the Galatian church that they're not saved by grace after they received the Holy Spirit, they got the down payment of the pledge of the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to come in there and tell them, oh, you're not really saved. you got to do now do this, this, and this, and this. Do you see what you're doing? You're messing with a contract that God instituted. And you can't do that. In fact, in chapter 1, Paul says, if you do that, God's going to put you under the curse. Don't mess with the gospel. And that is obviously a sobering idea, but it is true. You've been listening to Is the Law Contrary to the Promises of God? Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 through 22. And don't forget, you can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you like on podcast. You can listen on our Living Truth app or on your favorite podcast app like iPodcast, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the episodes in Galatians that you might have missed. So listen to the Walk in Truth podcast while you're working from home or while you're driving or during your downtime. Also, if you listen on iTunes or iPodcast, would you please give us a rating? The more good ratings, the more people will see our program as it goes up to the top of the list. So thanks for doing that. And remember, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, you've heard a lot in the book of uh, Galatians about law, 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 law. Well, what law? Whose law? Is it the Mosaic law? Is it the 613 commandments and subcommandments? Is it the 10 commandments? Is it the top two commandments to love God and love others? What is it? Well, theologians would say that It does encompass that thought, but it also specifically has to do with the law as it relates to circumcision and the food laws. Remember, as we're going through the book of Galatians, there was a certain group of teachers that were trying to push really a conversion into Judaism, the diet, the uh, sign of the Abrahamic covenant, which was circumcision, Uh, for example, keeping Shabbat or the Sabbath or the holy days. And we've said that, you know, um, if a person would like to celebrate Passover, for example, as a Gentile, no problem with that. Uh, That can be a good and wonderful thing. But remember the distinction that you don't do any of these things to be saved. If you are a Jewish person who's believed in Jesus as Messiah and you celebrate the Passover, you keep the Shabbat, you do it. Because that's your conscience, that's the word of God, but you don't do it to get saved. Remember, Jesus saves. The law doesn't save. The law is our schoolmaster to drive us to Jesus. So my prayer for you, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're new, brand new to the Christian gospel, wherever you may be, walking with the Lord for 60, 70 years, rest in the gospel of Jesus. Hey, can I just, I just want to take a moment to pray. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. But wherever you are right now, would you just pause and pray? Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for our wonderful listening family. Thank you for how we have met each other on this medium of radio and podcasting and YouTube. 
And for many of us, we may never even meet in person, but we are the family of God. And what a beautiful thing to know that your people are praying and uh, getting to know you better. And we're meeting here (laughs) at a radio station or online or at a podcast. What a blessing that the medium, the technology is being used for your glory. We thank you. And I want to pray for that person who's just hurting right now, or that person who feels a little distant or struggling with a specific malady and wondering, man, am I going to make it? Maybe a financial burden right now. Maybe a concern for a loved one or a prodigal. Oh, Lord, you know every heart. You know every need. Would you bless our listening family? Would you draw us all close to you? Would you keep our eyes, help us to keep our eyes on Jesus uh, through this season and make us, refine us more into his image because of what we're going through. Even though it's a test, it's producing perseverance and proven character and hope as Romans 5 talks about. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. If you agree, would you say amen? God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael. We'll see you tomorrow right here. And just a reminder before we leave that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and how it applies to today's issues, trends, and culture. So please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And thanks to everyone who's been giving $5 and sometimes much more. So it's been great and a real blessing to us at the show. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 3, 15 through 22 called, Is the Law Contrary to the Promises of God? I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people. 